This is episode 33 on speaking truth and manifesting endless opportunities with Fana Ndao Norby. You're tuned in to Chats with Kat, where I catch up with my fellow millennials every week to discuss topics related to culture, relationships, self-improvement, and everything in between. The most authentic way of building true connections is by being vulnerable and sharing your own unique perspectives. So let's start right here, right now. I can't believe what you say because I see what you do. That is a quote by James Baldwin that I find extremely fitting to life in general and what we're seeing unfold in the world right now, but because it also resonates with the work of today's guest. I am going to have Fana Ndau Norby, the Swedish-based journalist, podcaster, playwriter, author, and overall hustler as a guest on today's show. As you'll hear shortly, her and I met in the most divine way and are basically the same person. Her work centers a lot around the experiences of black women in Sweden and uncovering many of the ugly truths within her country. Although much of what she tackles is emotionally taxing, Fana is committed to bringing about change in whatever way she can. She inspires the hell out of me and her work is in Swedish, but I still feel all of the energy and all of the amazing things that she's doing and I'm sure that you will too. Luckily for us, she is trilingual so this podcast will be in english and it's amazing i absolutely loved having her and we talked about a lot of things that as americans we don't necessarily experience but she does being a afro viking as she calls herself in sweden and what she's done within her country is absolutely amazing she's brought about a lot of change and is just on her way to doing even more amazing things. So if you enjoy the show, make sure to take a screenshot of your phone as you listen in to the episode and tag us both because we obviously love to know what you think. And without further ado, here is my interview with the one and only Fana. Hello, Fana. Hi, Kat. (laughs) thank you for being on my podcast thank you for having me of course so for those of you listening fauna is basically the swedish version of myself (laughs) (laughs) she is somebody that has been existing on this planet at the same time as i have and i didn't know she was out there and i met her and i was like (laughs) I just can't believe that this woman exists. That you just met yourself? I just met myself in the Swedish ver- version. And then the craziest part is Afana Swedish and Gambian and Senegalese. But Fana taught English in Dominican Republic. The most <laughs> shit ever. So when we were introduced by Armania, one of Fana's very good friends who I met at a party when I first moved to New York. And she introduced us and she was like oh you're going to stockholm which i had randomly booked a flight to stockholm she's like you have to meet my friend i was like oh okay yeah and i was just down for it and i met fauna i was like wait how is this happening we met each other and i was like wait don't ever leave my life (laughs) i feel the exact same way it's mutual (laughs) yes yes as a new friendship yes 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 (laughs) so i just feel like i have like you know more reasons to just go back to sweden and all these very welcome you're always welcome here too. Well, you you've you already had stuff going on here before, yeah. but now you have like my apartment that you can hang out in and stuff. I'm yeah. So happy. Yes, yes, yes. So okay. 
so I don't want to mispronounce. Is it Svartkvina? Almost, yes. Svart. Svart? Svartkvina. Svartkvina. Almost, yeah. Okay, sure. Okay, so um, I guess that translates directly to black woman right. in Swedish. And Fana started this page back in Sweden where it was basically called Black Woman. And she did some amazing projects with it. And that, to me was one of the very first things that I noticed that really spoke out to me about the work that you do and I would just love to know what led you to create this page and what it embodies Mm. okay well so I've as you just said I'm mixed my father is African like West African my mother is Swedish like I usually when I'm here I just say West African because people don't know what Senegal or Gambia is Mm -hmm. but those are two countries on the West west part of of, of uh, africa right and my mother is swedish that's Scandinavia. so my whole life i've looked very different than everybody around me basically but i've always had like some friends and my closest friend and cousins of course that look more or less like me and um i've always like known who i am and i've always been secure in who in my identity you know but i noticed that like a lot of my conversations with my black friends were, and not only black friends, but with my friends, were usually like circling around our identity as black women. Like they would usually be like, oh, somebody told me this and that, or somebody made a comment about this. Microaggressions, basically. Um, and that we we went, we started talking to each other out of healing, maybe. Like we needed to heal or we needed to discuss or we needed to find out whether whether this situation was actually racist or if I was or my friend or whoever it was was over dramatic or like extra sensitive or something. And I just found out like not, not find out, but I kind of understood after a while that it's impossible for us, all of us to be so insensitive like or like so sensitive because this is what people tell us all the time. And the fact that we've known each other for such a long time has given us the tools to kind of break down whatever what other people are telling us and at the time this was 2014 we had election and we were quite worried when i say we i mean like the non-white community in sweden and people that are not racist so it's not only like white people as well, of course. But there's a a, a, a party in Sweden called the Sweden Democrats um, that was like campaigning and doing the whole work to get into parliament in some kind of way. And I was feeling that it was so weird that in media or, yeah, in media, the discussion about what racism actually is only circled around not being a Swedish Democrat, not voting for them, you know? It's like, well, I'm voting for this liberal party, so I'm not racist. Or I'm voting for this left-wing party, so I'm not racist. But being who I am in Sweden has always been, like, the best people, people I love, family, whatever, teachers or friends or friends' families or people in the street, whatever, that don't see themselves as racist could still say the most racist shit, you know? So I, I was more like, hmm, we need to have like a broader discussion about what racism is. 
and just my identity have taught me that. So I decided to collect all my, not all of them, but the ones that I've remembered occasions that I've had this interaction with people that are not black and what they've told me just based on my blackness. And it's a lot, you know, and I also wrote down the things that I remember that my friend had friends had experienced and my cousins and my sisters. And then I just set up the page. It's an Instagram account. And I, my first post was like existing as a black woman in Sweden will will make you experience some shit <laughs> like that wasn't what i wrote like i wrote it like objectifying things well you know but basically like we all been through this so if you have experiences like this send them into my account and i'll publish them so that's just what i did i just started publishing the quotes of what people have been tell- telling us in the streets in school at work you know about our hair to our kids to us as kids um and that that page got 10,000 followers in one day. No yeah, way. I was stressed. I was so stressed. And I was anonymous at first because yeah. I was like, I don't even know how this is going to go. Yeah. If it doesn't go good, like if it if nothing happens, I would be like, let me not put my name on it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but then, of course, there's some crazy shit happening in Sweden. So I thought, let me not be let me not tell everybody who I am yeah because you know here you can have your phone number you can live wherever you live and nobody can find out in Sweden we have like you can find out where anybody lives you can find out their phone number more or less but if it, if it's you online were, but you weren't using a phone number or your name no no but if if, if I would have put my name out there ah uh, yes 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 they, it, it's a google search and you know where I live wow so let me not do it you know mm-hmm. but then I got a lot of interview, like people wanted to interview me and wanted to know more about the project and they can't interview like anonymous people because then it's like not believable. So I decided to reveal my identity. But that was just like two weeks later. So it wasn't, it wasn't that long. It was anonymous. And ever since I've been talking about these issues everywhere, more or less in, in media and like panel discussions and debates and, and stuff like that. And it's interesting and it's it's cool, but this wasn't really what I planned. It was more that I was so frustrated with the overall discussion about race and racism in Sweden was not at all as on the level that we that actually experiences um feel it is. So it was a, like on a way to, it was a way to try to s- create a space where we could actually just put out everything that we've been through just to show like, this is our experience. This is our experience. You tell us this. They tell us this. They tell us that. And uh, just to know that this country is not good. Mm-hmm. We're not good. Mm-hmm. And this can come from anybody. It does. You don't need to be like in a racist party or like in a xenophobic mm-hmm. party mm-hmm. that's the word they usually use but you know to say racist. all of these things you can be a, a well-meaning person and have this internalized yeah. racism exactly so how did how did this compare to what you were intending on doing as like your career like the thing that you were always invested in like what did you study and where did you think you were going compared to this because it has you know, this project opened up so many other things for you. Yeah. Well, 
I had, it's funny because I had just quit my education. I just dropped out of university. I studied international relations and economic history. Uh, and I was just like, I don't care about Adam Smith. I don't want to know anything more about this lock guy. Like, can <laughs> I live? <laughs> like all these European philo- philosophers and their idea of the world. I was just like, I'm not interested. Yeah. I'm not interested. Basically, that's what I was feeling. Yeah. Um, and I had a teacher, well, a professor at university say some really ignorant shit about Africa. He said that it was easy to call in, it was easier to colonize Africa because Africans at the time didn't have a written language. Oh, fuck, as a matter of fact. What? Yeah, they did. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. What the f- Different ones, too. As a matter of fact, Africa, several. Africa is not one unit. <laughs> um, and I was like, you know, the world's first universities were in Africa, right? Like, to me, it was just so stupid. And then I, I think I got like a little, I got a. F- it's hard to say that I, it's it's wrong to say that I did it. I I got a mistrust in them, them being the institution of universities. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but I really felt like is this professor gonna teach me anything? And he just yeah. said that like yeah. fuck you, okay, yeah. not fuck you, but yeah, you know, yeah. are you yeah. serious? Yeah. Um, and then I was also bored. Like I was like, this is not for me. I thought it would be so fun, and I thought it would be like international relations. I thought it would be a lot more than it was, and I think I'm it it will be. If you graduate, then you can do whatever, like, in that s- sphere. But I wasn't ready to do, like, that kind of labor, yeah. <laughs> like, do the studies. Yeah. So I dropped out. I worked at a restaurant. And um, I went to Gambia, chilled with my aunties. And I was planning on staying there for a while. Really? How long were you there? No, I was only there for two weeks. Okay. But I was, I was planning on not using my return ticket. But I applied for one job. Uh, and I was called in for an interview. So I was like, let me go get this job. After like a very long process, they ended up giving the, the job to this white guy. And they're like, I was like, why, why didn't I get it? Because I know that they actually wanted diverse, like diversity in their office. And that was in their ad. They're like, we really need a more diverse office. So, you know, they were looking for an administrator or whatever. You say that? Yeah. Um, and I was like, so who got the job instead of me? He's like, yeah, well, you know, this is guy. I was like, guy, why? And, and, like, you know, and they said, no, but, you know, um, this is a woman domi- women's dominated office. So we need a guy to make it more diverse. And I was just like, are you serious? That's diversity. <laughs> like, okay, so maybe you, you, you don't have enough men there. But you're all white. Like, yeah. there's more to diversity. Am I really not going to get this job because that you need to make it more diverse and I'm not going to get it? I was so pissed. I was like, are you serious? Um, so then I just found myself not getting the job that I wanted to get and not getting the job that I actually flew back to Stockholm to get. Like, that was my goal. Like, I was rejected and I hated it. And I had stopped my studies and I had quit my job because I went to Gambia, right? So I was just sitting there having nothing. No money, no job, no studies. So I was just like, shit, like, I got tons of time now. Let me do that project I've been thinking about. And I just started it. Oh, that's how it started. Yeah. Oh, wow. Because I had so much time. And I started it, and it blew up. Look at that. 
why is it that the best things come about when people are not working or they're out of commission? Because you've got time. Yes. And less worries. Oh, well, other worries. But I think you're allowed to have the freedom to look within. Yeah. Like, well, like, what do I want to do right now? Because you have all you you don't have any commitments. You're just like, well, let me just do whatever I want to do. And for you, it was doing that. I never, ever thought it would get this big. You know, the the Instagram account, the following isn't that big. Like there's Instagram accounts with millions, of course, like followers. This account has like 34,000 people following it. But for 34,000 people to only f- to follow the Afro Swedish woman's struggle, like the microaggressions told to us and actually discussed that week after week, that was kind of cool. You know, what was the reception like? Uh, it was it was big, you know, people were there's some parts of it that made me feel sad because it was so evident what's what's what the real problem is. You would see people that are not black putting in crying emojis all over the commentary because they're like, oh, my God, this is so sad. It is sad. And like angry emojis and, you know, like broken hearts and all of that. And you'll see black girls tagging their black girl friend and be like, oh, my God, did this happen to you yesterday? Yep. <laughs> and that girl would be like, no, somebody apparently had the same experience as me, <laughs> you know. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and it was just so evident that whatever is so hurtful to us, we've lived with it so long that we could almost laugh about it you know, or tag our friend and be like, you know, just normal about it. But of course it was hurtful as well for a lot of black Swedish women. Mm -hmm. Uh, I've been contacted by many girls that aren't from Stockholm because I'm from the capital and haven't had the opportunity as me to grow up with both, both your like black parents or your black parents and, um, having friends that look like you, that you could like, you know, marry yourself in, um or with i don't know how you say that in english but like you know see yourself in um that grown up in a small city maybe experienced a lot of racism and they have internalized it and a lot of them have come up to me like even in the club like or just in the street or they've been writing me on my facebook or my socials or whatever and they'd be like it's changed my life like i always thought it was I was ugly I always thought that my hair was problematic or that my skin was disgusting or that I am stupid just because of this or stuff like that and and they just wrote that or said that if it wasn't for this account I would never have understood that they are the problem I'm not the problem and I was just like, that to me took another, it was another step that I wouldn't have necessarily thought about because that was never my reality. Yeah. My reality was always like, yo, all these crazy things people tell us, it's so sad and I was so angry and we could laugh about it or we could be like, fuck them, we're yeah. so much cooler. <laughs> you know, yeah. We could do like all these different things. Yeah. But that feeling about me not being enough or like me being stupid because of my skin color, that was never something i felt you know so i was like shit like this is a lot bigger than me yeah and at that moment 
how how did you reconcile with the fact that this thing that you started as just to put something out there because it's what kind of came out of you at that moment but you didn't think it would turn into this huge thing how did you now begin to feel like or how did you reconcile with the fact that it you now you're representing a whole group of women or people in general within uh, Sweden that have never had a voice how did you reconcile with that pressure did you even feel like that was pressure yes a lot um it's not entirely true that we've never had a voice um there's been a lot of people that have worked with like the afro swedish experience before in different ways um but i think this account did something else which was like it wasn't analytical i never put an analysis in there i just put up what people told us i never told anybody like this is wrong i just said like these are my observations you know so it, it it's hard like of course it's a burden in a way because you know i didn't particularly want this attention but now that i have it i have to do the best out of it and that is not always easy because maybe i have an idea and i think about something that i think this is the step this account should take now or something and the followers don't agree or other black women in sweden don't agree or uh, they think i put up something that's wrong or whatever and then i just have to face that and and try to like you know take that on to me and be okay with it and be, be okay with criticism the problem is though that that it's named after an identity is na- the, the the account's name is black woman so i've always tried to be like this is not my account I'm the the administrator yeah. of it, you know. But it's a collective work because it's based on so many different women's stories. I could have never done this without these women. And I didn't want to. It was a collective work f- to start with. And Svatkrina, black woman, that has never been my name of myself. Like, this is not my account. Like, it's not me. I got my personal account. Um, And you won't see me, like, posting shit like about myself there but the way media logic is is that they want like the collective is dangerous you know yeah in what ways no but you know um they media wants to know who's behind this you know we can't do interviews if we don't know who you are that's not true they can but they choose not to and I can understand that because it's, not, it's a lot more interesting to be like, we know who it was that started this account, you know? Uh, so when the account came out, they were like, Fanandao is black woman. Like, I was the account. And that to me was a problem because that's not me. That is one part of the experience of being a black woman in Sweden. Being black and Swedish and white and, and a woman is so much more than just the microaggressions that people tell us. That's something that we got in common, though. And all this shit could have been said to whatever black woman that would have been in that, in that position right then and then, you know, mm-hmm. then and there. But, yeah, I've struggled because, you know, I'm mixed. My mother is white and I got this, like, skin privilege and all that. And But at the same time, I cannot just give this platform over to somebody that don't have an idea to how to use it. Because, you know, 
what whoever's got an idea i've i've been saying that on the platform i like bring it to me and let's just do it but people don't don't come with ideas i don't see myself as a representative of a whole like group like that but i know that the work that we've done together and that i like administrated and that was like facilitated through this platform it's through me of course and it comes with great responsibility and that's why sometimes also i i cannot post anything because i'm like i don't know like how should i put this up there or what should i do and but i've had it like a rotating thing as well like different women to post for different from week to week but then you know other women will be like oh she's posting her her white boyfriend why is that white boyfriend there and i'll be like but you know this is her experience and if she gets a week to post whatever she wants and she wants to post her her white boyfriend let her do that you know it's difficult yeah that is a lot of pressure because there are so many like it's not a concrete experience it's everybody's different everybody's background is different where everybody comes from is different their religion their families their partners and you know like to have that responsibility of you being like the 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 curator or like the perceived curator like you're not curating this this is real life you're just presenting them with what already happened and what our people are already living but i think maybe this my problem is the step because i i i started this account based on me wanting to show the microaggressions set towards black women as women and it started off with your friends and you yeah and that's how it started yeah and that's what i wanted to highlight but then i got so tired i was like it was so exhausting so i was like let me do something else with this account because and then you ended up you actually like published the book yeah related to it and then now you have a lot of other creative endeavors yeah there's a lot about it like i collected them uh, the stories in a book and i had and we had uh different women and a guy as well because nobody's going to tell me that i'm not inclusive (laughs) you know (laughs) writing um longer analysis texts about the experience to write about whatever they wanted it's a great book i I love the book but uh, it's difficult to read because it's all these microaggressions you know it's short but and it's easy to read but it's hard to read you know um but i'm thinking maybe the account has accomplished what the account was supposed to accomplish so maybe i should just let it to rest but it feels in a way it feels sad not to use this platform with all those followers and engagement in like the black swedish woman's experience so now I'm just posting like good shit that, yeah. that like creative black women in Sweden are doing. Yeah, because I mean, at what point did you start to feel like it was starting to weigh very heavy on you? Quite fast. Um, like after. So I started in March 2014. In like. September 2014, I took like a month break. Because. I had just lent it out to black men. I was like, let me post the black ma- man's experience. And it was so violent. It was so violent. Um, of course. You know, whatever is said to us women is on like a very crazy level. But what our men go through is crazy. Like, there was security people facing security people. Like, you know. Uh, the tolls, these no, the customer service. No, what are those called when you pass through um, 
air- airports. Like TSA. Yeah, TSA. Immigration. Yeah, stuff like that. And police and, and having to go to like, when you drink too much and they put you in a cell. Yeah. Without having dr- been drinking at all. <laughs> you know, situations like that. Um, and they've been met with so much more aggressive uh, aggression than, than us women. But we have other other experiences as well but that was just like oh shit like my two younger brothers are they gonna experience this here my i got stories sent to me by my my younger cousin who was like 20 at the time i'm like he has experienced all of this already and i just felt like shit i need to take a break and then i've been writing uh like put up all other kind of notes because just felt more like a potential student yeah but I mean, in your current work, in your podcast, Jesus, I'm going to, like, butcher this name as well. The Rasriyat Paden? Rasriyat Paden. Shit, I can't move my tongue like that. Rasriyat <laughs> Yeah, okay, you said it way better than I can. <laughs> but within that show, I mean, I tried listening to it, but I don't understand anything. Oh, you won't understand. It's in Swedish. No. <laughs> I was like, maybe I can pick up some words. I mean, like, I was there for a little bit, and I hear you say some things. But um, within that show you and your cousin Ami do tackle some of those same issues every single week. So how has that opened the door for you to do more of your, the work that you're involved in currently? Well, you know, Kat, I don't know why I'm so obsessed with racism. Like sometimes like, do I enjoy suffering? I don't know. Um, but this is something that we discussed discussed very often anyway because this is our daily life or our weekly life or our monthly life like some shit will happen in sweden related to race so we have materials for our podcast basically like i i guess most of the people listening to your podcast might be um also listening to the read or they know how the read is set up yeah so we we've been very inspired by the read uh and the end of the read they have like they read something that's uh, been stressing them out lately or they're angry about so we like altered that in our version that was like okay so each week we're gonna like have a session where we could like just let all our feelings out like they pick they pick pick one read themselves like we pick one together and that is like one situation that happened in sweden that week related to racism in sweden you know content every single yes week. <laughs> yes um and it could be like an asylum asylum uh ho- home being burnt down then we will like discuss that or a politician saying some shit like we'll discuss that or police brutality in the streets just out outside ami's house she had that experience not herself but like seeing it um how's that feeling or somebody saying some crazy shit to us in a in the subway or in um uh, uh, in a in a mall what is that about and then of course we talk about pop culture and a thing that we like yeah, yeah. so like we did that for a year and when that year was done we had like uh how would you say it? a yearly report of the racism that we decided to talk about and we went through that in two episodes and we we're like oh shit so do you remember th- we talked about this shit then that happened and then this happened and like there was this theater in like yeah like um a show where one of the actresses had like yellow face 
and and everyone's like no that's cool like why not she's not racist and like very like anti-racist profiles that are white of course they'll be like no why are you bashing her to be a racist she's not racist we're like but she's in yellow face like you know what so like all those different kind of things keep on happening so we discussed that but after that yearly report we were like we don't have this energy no more so this year we have like a zen year so we've just been answering uh listener questions about like related to race and racism and feminism okay so it's more like them asking you to analyze something as opposed to you going out there and finding yeah so it's more like "Mm, my friend has said this and that like what do you think yeah and we'd be like "Mm." and that's easier you know I mean, well, it's, not not, it's all hard, but yeah. I guess it's a little easier to digest every single week. Yeah, I guess so. I don't know what 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 else we'll, what we'll do maybe next year because now this concept is like we've done it for a year and a half now. Yeah. But it's a good one. People yeah. keep on asking shit. Like, but we are so tired about people asking us about the N word. Like, can we use the N word in this setting? Can we? Use, no, you cannot. Okay. <laughs> gosh i can't believe that that's still a thing they ask us like every second week oh my gosh and those are those are our listeners (laughs) i love our listeners i'm not gonna bash them uh but like somebody's been listening to us and still don't understand (laughs) but it's i guess it's because they're trying to find their way in they're like wait but like if we get it from this angle then that must be okay right yeah and it's not so much that the listeners themselves have that question but it's like maybe something that happened around them and maybe somebody will tell them like, and also this is a, a question, we, an actual question we actually got. So this woman would never like use it herself. So she's like, so I'm struggling with my sister's boyfriend. We're like, okay. Uh, so my sister's boyfriend's grandmother is Brazilian. And he says he can use the N word. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> and we're like, wait, hold on. <laughs> Your sister's boyfriend's grandmother is Brazilian. And now he wants to use the N word. She's like, he's not even that dark. And we're like, you know, Brazilians come in all different shades. This guy's not even Afro-Brazilian, you know? So stop your shit, you know? <laughs> People love using that word. I don't oh know. Oh, my gosh. Is. I don't know. I think they just feel like they're missing out on something. And they're just like, I want in on that. I don't <laughs> yeah, know. Yeah, like we get questions about singing the N-word. Yeah, people here in the states are obsessed with it too. Like white people who are like, wait, but it's in music. I want to I use it. And people are just like, no stop stop trying to stop that's not your thing it's so fun like we'd be like listening because we dj sometimes as well Mm -hmm. so we're like huh who said it i'm looking (laughs) we have some creative friends that we like saying ninja instead (laughs) oh my god you guys how has this experience forced you to embrace your creative self all of this has forced you to be creative in different ways whether it's you know through the book whether it's through this Instagram page and then now you're on TV mm-hmm. and you are doing all of your writing, you're starting all these different orga- uh, not organizations, but platforms that are requiring you to use this experience, these experiences and funnel them into more creative ways of expressing yourself. Mm-hmm. But you went to school for IR and you were on a different path. So how did you run with it? How did you just let this course mold where you are right now? Okay. So when I started up the Svetkrina page, that was in March. In April, my mom told me, like, there's, like, okay, you're interested in these issues, and you've, I've, I've always been talking about this, more or less. Because um, it keeps on happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's just my life. <laughs> yeah. So she's like, maybe you're 
change that you want to do to the world isn't within the IR field. Maybe like what you did there with the Svatkvina is anti-racist and feminist work, but it's also a work within communication. So maybe you should study communication. And I was like, hmm, she works in communication. And I was been like, I'm not going to do the same thing as my mom. <laughs> so I was like, let me uh, get into this to kind of understand this even more. And she said, there's a school called, called BICE, School of Communication. It's like, it's been awarded like the world's best advertisement school uh, year after year in, in, um, in France, right? And I decided to apply. So I, and I got in on a scholarship um, because that school is of course private. Like education in Sweden is, is free, but that one, it wasn't. Now it is. But when I applied for it, it wasn't. So I got a scholarship and I could go to it and I studied strategic communication and PR. Because she said, like, this is a, a communication work more than it is. Well, as much as it is an anti-racist work. Yeah. You're wanting to talk about this and you're using this mean of communication to, to make people talk. Mm-hmm. You've engaged people in, in some kind of activity. This is communication. Yeah. So I studied strategic communication and PR. And since then, I've just like, you know, I'm in that kind of industry more, which is perfect for me. I love it. It's very interesting. Um, I don't necessarily love advertisement, but I think advertisement as a field and PR as a field is huge. It's huge. And the impact it has on people is very big. So we live in a capitalistic society. So why not, you know, be in there? Um, but it was kind of hard for me to decide that that's what I wanted to do because it didn't necessarily feel like me, but I love it because you can use your creative ideas and like, and your feminism and your ideas about equality and equity, uh, in that sphere and try to do magic with it, I guess, but it's hard, but you know, I get by. Um, but now I'm starting a blog. I'm going to write it in Swedish, but I think I'm actually going to write it in English and maybe Spanish as well. Because I got a lot of friends in DR and they always ask what I'm doing and I can never tell them because yeah. it's in Swedish. Yeah. So I'm like, maybe I should put some of it in Spanish too. I don't, I'm not sure. Maybe. Um, but just so people can follow what I'm doing and because I'm doing so many things mm-hmm. and I'm not sure if people are interested or not. We'll people see. are interested yeah that's that self-doubt i don't know yeah. but and also to show younger people because when it comes to wor- working to working into careers i didn't know myself i could study communication you know and if, if i wouldn't have a mom in that field herself i wouldn't never have known i think so like for young creatives to actually take that path the path of be working with communications mm-hmm. Uh, or or PR or advertisement or there's a lot of money to get in there. Yeah. And you don't need to make, maybe you're already doing that, like doing your podcast, you're working in communication as well. Mm-hmm. You know, um, you don't maybe need to become a lawyer because that's what your parents want. Or maybe you don't need to become uh, a diplomat or whatever. You can work with NGOs from the, uh, from the communication um, parts of it, you know? Uh, you can do so many things with with, with that kind of background yeah. if you have that as a, I don't know, if that's 
if you're a creative person and you, you don't see yourself in a, as an artist. Yeah. Well, what about if people, I mean, you took that route, but you know a lot of creative people. You're around a lot of creatives. What, like, what, do you, what advice do you have for those people who are just like, I don't want to go to school. I just want to follow this, this gut feeling that I have. And how do I do that? Uh, my cousin, right? She's a singer. Her name is Sainable C. She's amazing. I love her. Yeah, she's yes. Amazing. <laughs> she's great. <laughs> but she, her and I will live together. We lived together. We don't live it together anymore. Um, and I, we worked together when we were younger and she was so tired of working. She was like, I just want to do music. I just want to do this. And this, uh, we, w- we were in telemarketing. Like, this is killing my soul. It was killing my soul, too. Like, it really was. But I could see how it killed her soul. And, and she was like, I got to stop. And I was like, well, how are you going to put my, uh, food on your table? She's like, I'm just not going to put food on my table. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> <laughs> she, she, she really stepped out of that comfort zone. Um, and I thought she was crazy. For a long time, I was like, girl, like, h- how? How are yeah. you going to become an artist when you can't do this or when you don't have that? But look at her now. Like, you know, she she would have never, ever gone to to like university and be where she is right now because she needed to focus. She needed to do whatever she's doing. And that's just one example. I'm like, it's hard, though, because she had the support from home being that, like, do your shit like go for it if you have parents that be like you have to go to school you have to go to school then i don't know what to tell you mm-hmm. maybe you have to work double you know yeah. um but i really do think that if you're meant to do something maybe that's what you need to focus on mm-hmm. but then yet again how that is the question you know yeah i think that's the difficult part that's the one that everybody kind of yeah. it gets it gets there and then people are like, oh, I guess I have to go back to do this job that it, this crushes my soul. Yeah, but imagine like what would have happened though if you didn't try. So maybe like if there's some way to figure out like how you could maybe try for two months or like try for three months. And test the waters and see because everybody's path is different. Sometimes like oh, that's all we need is just three months to meet the right people yeah. to get us stable enough where we can eat and like still pursue whatever it is Mm. that we're meant to do Mm. um i really feel like your spiritual practice i feel like both of us are on a similar path to our spiritual practice how has that led you to become more confident in your ability to live an abundant life well so it's weird because being from scandinavia it's very career driven it's a very career driven country like sweden and scandinavian itself like there's this hyperbole of what is what it is to work and yeah we're just very working people a lot you know but then i have my father who's like material things are nothing you know (laughs) he'll be like money come money go money is nothing what is money you know and i'll be like that you know we got to pay your bills yeah. <laughs> but but he was a monk uh, in senegal when he was young and he was like he just taught me a lot about being humble with when it comes to money and just be like no matter what happens you will be okay and that to me has been very it's like 
it's been provoking me in a way because like that's not the reality to people no we're not going to be okay if we don't have money but at the same time it has given me hope to be like he made it right whatever happens to you you will survive and and don't you ever just because you don't have it don't you don't you like not be on your feet you know he he kind of always been like everything's gonna go work out for you he's like everything is already written you know that's nothing that we in sweden usually talk about like sweden is faith and no, no 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 sweden is not a religious country at all mm. it have of course has traditions but it's um it's a secular society yeah you know but he is like, you know, you know, alhamdulillah, everything is good. He's Muslim, right? So everything is going to be okay. It's written and he'll do his little rituals for me that are, of course, more connected to our culture, our yeah. West African culture than our religion. Yeah. Well, well, his religion, I don't identify as Muslim. Um, but but just knowing that there is more, he's, he, everything that goes well, he's just like, yeah, it's, 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 it's already going to happen. And when I had like good grades, he would be like, yeah, I prayed for it. And I was so provoked by that because I was like, no, I worked for I this. did this. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but but I think that that had given me has given me something as well to carry on. You know, I'm going to be fine. I just know that I'll be fine. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. And there's just, like so many amazing things, like even in the, in the short time that I've known you, so many great things have unfolded. And I'm just like watching you blossom. And there's just so much more that's to come. So. Yeah. yeah, I believe that. I, I mean, I see that that you just have the potential to create so many amazing things. But even within that, as being the body that's supposed to create all these things, to so just know that everything's gonna work out fine is, it's so important. So, I mean, your experience living in Sweden is obviously very different than the experiences that many people have here. Although a lot of things overlap, but mm-hmm. if there was just one message that you could get out to my listeners here, most of them are in the States, although I have like some listeners in Japan, which is very weird. <laughs> what? Yeah. I'm like, what, um, what would that, Hi, Japan? I know. Right. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> what would that, what would that message be within the context of you creating an entire career for yourself that you didn't even really plan on creating and then going with that and, doing all of these things and you have a project that's going to launch in February that I won't even mention yet. That's going to be amazing. But just all of these amazing things. It's okay. It's out there. Oh yeah. Fana, Fana wrote a play that's going to be touring all of Sweden. Fana wrote it. Fana wrote this play. She pitched the play to all of these theaters within Sweden and it's going to be touring. Like she has a cast and she has all of these things and it's like premiering in like the national theater. And it's like this very, very, very big deal. That's all stems from, I mean, essentially from this Instagram account. Yeah. It's insane. It's it's yeah. just mind blowing, you know. Well, you know what? What I would say is like, whatever people, whatever people tell, like, make you feel is your weakness. You can twist that shit. It, it's not your weakness. It, that might be your strength. You know, like to me, this anti-racist work that I'm doing is not only for me, but also to to. Um, empower other black women in Sweden, you know, because we have created together a collect, a collective of women that would be like, Oh, you just said that to me. Well, I'm going to put that on that page. <laughs> we'll put you on blast. And, and we'll drag you like yeah. 34,000 people will drag your ass. You know, I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, but, but yeah, like twist that shit, you know? And, um, 
and believe in yourself like oh my god it sounds so corny so cliche i know but you have to like i would say that like my father's words like you'll be okay you're good like we might not have the money right now but you'll make it you'll survive believe in yourself and you will you will get to that place that you were always destined to be yeah and you know it's hard sometimes also to say that because not everybody can follow their dreams and not everybody will you know but uh, I think we have to keep the hope up Mm -hmm. I agree with that I agree with that definitely well thank you Fana thank Thank you you for having for for allowing me to have you on the show and for allowing me to introduce you to these American and Japanese people <laughs> that are going to love you and that are going to follow you. And um, where can they find your work? Okay, so My work is uh, mostly in Swedish. <laughs> yeah. So that's the problem. But everybody that wants to can follow my Instagram page. That's Fana Bafana. That's F-A-N-N-A-B-A-F-A-N-A. Yes. I guess you can link it where you can um, follow it. And then when the blog is up and running, I will let you know. Yeah. So then we can always just like put it in Google Translate. Yeah. And I don't know, but hopefully one day the book will be in English too. I really hope so. I have I'm the, trying to. I have the freaking Swedish copy and I can't understand a word of it. I'm like, I wish I I'll knew translate the whole shit to you. You'll cry all night. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> Thank you, Fana. Thank you. Kat. So much love to you, girl. Same to you. I hope you all enjoyed that episode. Fauna is absolutely amazing and she's a trailblazer in her own right. I'm so honored to call her friend and will absolutely be along her journey to see what she does. If you fell in love with Fauna, as I'm sure you did, you can absolutely follow her on Instagram at Fauna Bafana. That's F-A-N-N-A-B-A-F-A-N-A. I'll link her Instagram in the show notes, so don't even worry about that. So if you can't find it, don't worry about that. I got you. I hope you all enjoyed the show. Let me know what you think. And as always, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode. I will chat with you guys next week. That was this week's episode. I really hope you all enjoyed it. If there's anything you would like to chat about, send an email to chats at catlantigua.com and I'll make sure to get back to you. You can keep up with me in between episodes by following catlantxo, that's C-A-T-L-A-N-T-X-O, on Twitter and Instagram. If you haven't yet, go to Apple Podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. I'm sending you all lots of love, light, and good vibes. We'll chat next week.